Let's unmask and embrace our neurodiversity together. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So on today's video, I will be going over with you guys the newest workbook in my Etsy shop that I made called Unmask and Embrace Your Neurodiversity. Now, this workbook is meant to be a follow-up and in addition to the workbook that I made called Discovering Your Masks, as you will see, when we fill this workbook out together that you need to do that workbook first in order to discover what your masks are. And in today's workbook, we will continue to understand the ways we can adjust those masks in order to accommodate our needs and to feel more authentic to ourselves. So if you haven't yet gone through that workbook or watched that video, head on over to that video and get that done before you continue on with this video and with this workbook. Now, it's really important for me to make these types of resources that I create accessible for you guys. Accessible doesn't just mean you can easily access it and watch it, but also accessible for me means that you can afford to buy these $5 workbooks from my Etsy shop. Like I say in my other videos where I go through my workbooks, this is all about the honor system, right? If you truly, truly, truly cannot afford to pay $5 for the actual product that I make, that is totally fine. You could sit there with a blank sheet of paper and write all of these answers out on your end and still gain all that knowledge that you need about yourself. That's totally fine with me, but by going over to my Etsy shop and actually paying for the product that I spend so much time and care creating. That's a way for you to support someone like me to be able to continue what I do so that I could pay my bills, buy my groceries, and all of that bare necessity things in order to get by. But other than that, let's head on over in filling this workbook out together. Now, I get a lot of questions of people asking me how they could fill this out, depending on your preference. You could either print it out and have it be on an actual sheet of paper and fill it out yourself. You can even print it out and make it into a nice little workbook on your end if that's what you're into. If you like having a physical copy to go through or for convenience sake, you could download the app GoodNotes and upload the PDF file on GoodNotes and fill it out digitally. GoodNotes is a really good resource for you. It's not that much money. You just have a one-time purchase and you could do so much on the app. You could write a bunch of journal entries. You could also download images or PDFs in right on top of it. And so that's something that I definitely recommend for you. So this workbook is longer than all my other workbooks. It's 40 pages long. So because of that, I am only going to fill out one specific section of it all throughout the workbook. I divided everything into categories of family, friends, relationships, hobbies, strangers, and work. And so we're talking about our specific masks in all of these different types of interactions. And then you guys will get a really good idea of how it works so that you guys can apply that technique to all the other categories when you fill it out. Of course, this workbook and how I made it is made in a way where you could literally fill this out for as many different types of people as you want in your life. Whether that's someone that used to be in your life or someone that is currently in your life, it just depends on where you are at and how much you want to reflect. And you could always, you know, refer back to this workbook in different times in your life and use this specific format in order to continue 
to understand your masks with a certain interaction and with a certain person. All of this to say, this isn't just like a one-time fill out. This is something that you could really truly keep in your life and utilize honestly for the entirety of your life with all of your relationships that you're ever gonna have. So I love writing out the goal of something before getting into it. I think this is the autistic part of myself, but before doing something or before even having a conversation, I wanna know exactly why I'm having that sort of conversation or using my mind for a certain reason before getting into it. It's like establishing that foundation first. And so before getting into this workbook, I wrote out a little segment where I state what the goal of this workbook is. And I must say, I'm pretty proud of this because I saw online a specific way to write that helps neurodivergent people focus a little bit better when it comes to reading. And that is to make the first letter of every word bold. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, holy crap, I read through all of the things seamlessly and I never got distracted or bored. And so I wanted to integrate that into the workbook in any way that I can. A part of being on the journey of integrating your neurodiversity back into your life is to understand the masks you've developed and bring awareness to them. Although it is essential to discover your masks, the more important question you now face is, what do you want to do about it? In this workbook, we will continue to understand in more detail which situations we find ourselves masking, what aspects of those masks are enjoyable, and how do they affect our energy levels. With this new knowledge of ourselves, we can then choose how we want to move forward and in what ways we want to transform our masks to better suit our needs and our authenticity. All right, for the sake of having good examples in order to show you guys the potential of this workbook and what it's supposed to do for you. I will be reflecting on past relationships and fill this workbook out in accordance to my interactions with past partners that I've had. I was originally filling out the friends section and I realized that a lot of the friends I have in my life are people that I feel really comfortable and authentic around. And so, and everyone's different, right? Some people are really, really picky about who they're dating and not really picky about friends. I find that for myself, I'm really picky about my friends and I am picky about who I'm dating usually as well, but I feel like in relationships, you can't necessarily avoid seeing that person or spending time with them. So the result of that is you have to be able to compromise and accommodate and communicate through a lot of disagreements and, and things like that. And so I feel like in that sense, reflecting on different relationships here will help you understand what this workbook can do for you in understanding your masks. So today I will only have enough time to go over one relationship and I'm going to do that with my ex-partner. Okay, let's fill this out for Michael first and I want you guys to pick who you want to fill this out for. Let's get our highlighter and we will highlight how we feel around them. So I feel comfortable and I feel uncomfortable around Michael because I can be myself and I also can't be myself around them. I know exactly how the interaction will go. I feel safe around them because they're familiar to me and they respond to me with, I'm going to put sensitivity. I find our interactions enjoyable because I'm sure what to talk about and I'm usually 
you know what? I'm going to say disinterested, but also interested in what we talk about. This is a good example, depending on what you end up highlighting, of the stability and compatibility of your relationship with someone. Let's say you are very compatible with someone. You will most likely highlight the positive aspect of those options every single time or for most of those options. Likewise, if you have a really negative relationship with someone, I feel like you might find yourself only highlighting the negative aspect of it. But the interesting thing about relationships is that a lot of the times you're with a person that you may not be completely compatible with or see eye to eye with. And so there's going to be a lot of disagreements there. There's going to be a lot of personal things that you have to work through and all these different types of barriers that makes the relationship hard to deal with sometimes. And I want to say this because, you know, not every relationship is going to be perfect and easy and all that stuff. You choose to be with someone. You choose to work through things with someone, right? And so, yes, there could be a lot of amazing things about your connection with another person. And in so many ways, you could understand them. They can understand you and you guys could get along really well. But that doesn't also mean that you can't butt heads with that same person. And a lot of the times I find that in my relationships, there is a core understanding there and a core love there that makes it so that we want to be together, even though there are these other aspects that make it uncomfortable and make it hard to work through. And I think that's why I found myself highlighting both answers because I'm, I can't sit here and comfortably say that I'm always comfortable around this person and I'm always interested in all the things that we talk about. There's times where I am uncomfortable. There's times where I can't be myself. There's times where I don't feel interested in what we're talking about. But there are certain things that are really important to me that should be 100% fact and that is that I feel safe around them and they feel familiar to me and that I enjoy being around that person. Okay, moving on to the next section. So the purpose of this page, the practicality page, is for you to begin to understand and process whether or not you would want this person in your life. And if you can afford to, how would you want to limit your time spent with this person and how to read your energy levels as to seeing, oh, interactions with this person can take a good amount of energy out of me. So if that's the case and I'm having a more tiring week, a harder week in general, maybe that's a good indication to myself that I should limit how often I see this person during that time in order to prioritize myself? Or how can I adjust my mask in order to make the interactions with this person less tiring and less draining on myself? So do you still want Michael in your life? This is meant to be almost like a journal entry type thing. So let's express ourselves really quick. All right, so I kind of wrote out like a general summary of what I was feeling near the end of my relationship with Michael. 
Um, this was something that I was really thinking about leading up to the breakup because there's just certain things that we were working through through the entirety of our relationship and we're seeing improvements in and did implement a lot of things that helped. But at the end of the day, we were still struggling very hard with these same issues. And I think those were the things that ultimately led to the breakup um, because it just seemed like it wasn't resolvable. Can you afford to avoid them or not have them in your life? Interesting question. I feel like this is good for me too to like reflect on this because I don't think I have that much yet, to be honest with you. So I kind of wrote where we were at when we were talking about breaking up and ultimately breaking up. I wrote, I believe I can afford to not have him in my life anymore. Although it's hard for me to lose someone I care about, even though it's just a breakup, I feel like I've grown to be a very stable, secure, and confident woman while being with him. I cannot see a future with this person and having a family with him, and that is something that I'm not willing to compromise on. I feel good in being able to let each other go and still want the best for each other. So I was kind of expressing how... You ju we just hit a certain point where we couldn't move forward with each other anymore and it didn't make sense and it just wasn't feeling right even though we still had love for each other. But that's something really precious to hold on to when you are choosing to break up is breaking up because you know that you will ultimately live a more fulfilling life outside of each other because you have more opportunity to do what you want because like breaking up doesn't always have to happen because you you guys can't get along and the relationship is horrible and you hate each other. I feel like a lot of the times people break up just because they they figure out that they're different people and it's not that one person is better than the other. It's just a matter of we have to let each other go to live up to our full potential and what's really beautiful as well about that is you have this love for the other person that will never go away. You know, on a humanistic level, I remember the last conversation I had with Michael when we were breaking up, um, I told him that I will always be his cheerleader. I will always want him to live his life to the fullest and do his best. And I hope that he can achieve everything he wanted to achieve in his life. I will always care about him. And I will always support him. All of these things from afar because the relationship is something we're both moving on from. And um, he echoed that same sentiment back to me. And I feel like having those peaceful separations where both can feel good about it and supported and it's not this bitter ending is something that is really beautiful, you know? Adjustments. If you can't avoid this person, then how can we make interacting with them more sustainable for us? So let's say if we chose not to break up, which for the longest time we were choosing not to break up and we were choosing to work through all of these points of contention. This portion of the workbook is to help you figure out exactly why you guys are having so many issues and figure out ways that you can adjust yourself within those interactions to support yourself a little bit better. 
So what makes interacting with them uncomfortable, unpredictable, unsafe, unfamiliar, unstable, uninteresting? Let's figure this out. I feel uncomfortable sometimes with the interaction because I don't understand what he's trying to say and he can accuse me of not listening to him when I'm just asking for him to clarify. So being accused of not listening is frustrating and also just untrue. So what makes interactions with them unpredictable? Interactions with him can be unpredictable because sometimes when he's experiencing mania, he can make decisions that don't make sense and are harmful to himself. So what makes interacting with them feel unsafe? Okay. Sometimes I could feel unsafe because I'm trying to talk to him about how I feel and his responses can be insensitive and I feel responsible for his, for his emotional responses, which burdens and drains me. There are many times in our relationship where when we were talking about something, he would have these very intense emotional responses. And what made this really hard was there were moments where I felt like I needed to have an emotional response because I was talking about something I was going through, but I didn't feel like I had the space to even show or express my emotions because his emotions always took precedence over mine. And I never felt like he could be stable and secure and help anchor me in moments where I was emotional because he was always very unstable. So if I was unstable during the interaction and we were both unstable, then the interaction would just go horribly and we would have a huge blowout or argument. So in moments where I was actually emotional and wanted to express myself, I actually had to suppress my emotions and regulate myself through it in order to calm him down first. So what I found during the relationship as it went on is that I started to become very numb to my emotions because anytime I felt it, I had to put a really tight box around those emotions and be very calm through all of the things I was feeling to a point where I just couldn't really feel what I was feeling anymore. Um, and so after the breakup happened, I had to start to reconnect myself back to my emotions and allow myself to cry again almost because I had even lost connection to crying because I was so closed off to my emotions throughout that relationship. But that was something that I needed to do to compromise for his sake. And it was because I didn't feel safe to express my emotions. I didn't feel like I had the space to express it. What makes interacting with them feel unfamiliar? So this one's interesting. Um, interactions with them can feel unfamiliar because sometimes when I see how oblivious he can be to other people and his surroundings, I can feel genuinely confused because I'm always so hyper aware. I remember when we were out in public, he would always just be in his own little world. And I'm not even saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying that is unfamiliar. Um, but it would 
it would be a point of contention sometimes because he would say certain things or do certain things that I thought were rude or um, disturbing other people's peace. And then I felt embarrassed because he wasn't cognizant enough of other people. And whenever I would point this out, he would ask me things like, you know, why do you care so much about other people and what they're doing? They're strangers. You shouldn't care about them and let them ruin your day or impact you. And to a certain degree, I could see what he's saying. And in many ways, I did learn from him in that aspect because a lot of the times I'm so miserable and anxious when I'm out in public around other people because I'm constantly hyper aware of everyone all the time and making sure that I'm not a burden to anyone ever. And he taught me to let go of that sense of responsibility and just allow yourself to be you and exist. Um, but that is something about our relationship that was unfamiliar Something like that could be a good thing sometimes along with bad. I think that's the beauty about having relationships with other people is when they're different from you and unfamiliar from you, it could be uncomfortable, but also a really good learning experience for you as well. And that helps you grow as a person. Unstable. Hmm. So this one's pretty self-explanatory. I felt like interacting with him was unstable sometimes because his untreated bipolar made his manic and depressive episodes really hard to deal with because I don't think either of us were understanding what was happening in the grand scheme of things and that he needed help. I just remember feeling during his manic episodes a sense of helplessness because he would get so sucked into these manic thoughts that were not rooted in reality or logic at all and I remember feeling like a genuine sense of worry for him because it was so unstable you know and I would try my hardest to ground him in these moments but nothing would work because when he's manic and I'm not 100% supporting him and I was even just asking questions of logic like what about this? What about that? And the delusions come in as well. There's times where he could even think I'm trying to sabotage him just because I was trying to talk some logic. He wouldn't perceive it as logic. He would see it as me trying to tell him all the ways that something could go wrong or how something wasn't going to work out for him. Uninteresting. Interacting with him could sometimes be uninteresting because he was manic about day trading for a long time and anytime he would talk to me about it, I felt not only disinterested in the topic, but also worried about the ways he would talk about it. So what that means is I just genuinely did not care about day trading. And when he was manic about day trading, he would keep talking about it and talking about it. I just like had no input at all, which kind of creates more of a disconnect, especially when someone's experiencing a manic episode about something that you objectively don't care about. And that one thing is the only thing they could think about and put their time and energy into. And you're not a part of that life, you end up being like so separated and almost living two separate lives, which is kind of what it felt like um, near the end of our relationship when he was experiencing his manic episode about day trading. 
we were basically just like living in the same house, but not even interacting on some days because he was just so sucked in that world. And he wasn't willing to come out of that world to interact with anyone else for any other reason. And so when I also wasn't interested in that world and not involving myself in it, it just became like a complete barrier between the two of us. Moving on to the next page, adjustments that we can implement to make the interactions more comfortable, predictable, safe, familiar, stable, interesting. So these are the things that I would be doing in order to basically try to make the relationship work, right? In the areas that are not working. So on the previous page, I was saying how sometimes it could be uncomfortable when I'm not understanding what he's trying to say. And then he could accuse me of not listening to him um, as a result of me asking him what he said. So something that I had to do in order to compromise in that sense was... So something that I had to start doing in order to understand him a little bit better in moments where I didn't understand what he was trying to say to me is before asking him to explain things again or explain things in a different way, I had to first reassure him because if I didn't do that, he would get triggered and feel as if I wasn't listening to him and was invalidating him. And so in order for me to get what I needed, which was him to explain again, I had to give him what he needed first, which was to reassure him. And so that was something I had to do in order to make that a little bit more comfortable and clear. So what are adjustments that I can make in order to make the interactions more predictable? This part is hard in this relationship and this is one of the reasons why the relationship ultimately didn't work is because I could try very, very hard to do these things and to accommodate, but at the end of the day, the payback wasn't good and it wasn't worth all the effort and it didn't even work sometimes. Like most of the times it would fail. What made the relationship unpredictable was the untreated bipolar, right? I said that he would make decisions that were harmful to himself, therefore were unpredictable and it wasn't based in logic. What I learned that I needed to do was to just give him space to make his own mistakes and to just be there to comfort him when it fails. This part is hard because he would have these manic episodes that would last for months and I knew that during that time there's nothing I could say or do in order to influence him in any sort of way or to get him to think um, logically and make better decisions and more sound decisions. All I could really do is to just allow him to be manic and wait for the ultimate time where everything came crashing down and just be there to help him cope when that time came. Every few months he would have these more clear-headed moments where it's almost like a different person and you could I could always sense it where I could maybe bring up everything that I wanted to talk about finally and trust that he could hear me out and understand and have a productive conversation and hopefully implement what we talked about into his actions. Sometimes it worked, most of the time it didn't. 
but that was my attempt at trying to make things a little bit more predictable and more stable when it came to him and our relationship. So what are things that I could do to make myself feel more safe within the interaction? I've talked previously about how I felt unsafe because I had to always be the emotionally regulated one in every situation, even in moments where I was emotionally dysregulated. So there'd be times where I would express to him that in that moment, I was the one who needed to express myself and that needed support and comfort. His job was to be there to listen to me, to ground me and to comfort me. And that's what I needed from him as a partner. There were many times where he was able to comfort me and make me feel safe in feeling my emotions. But more often than not, his emotions would take precedence. So this is part of the reason why things didn't work out because there's all these things that I could implement to accommodate and try to make the relationship work, but it just wasn't really improving in the ways that it needed to improve, especially with how much effort was being put into it. It's like I put 110% effort for like a 10% payback, if that makes sense. So in the previous page, I talked about how it was unfamiliar because he was oblivious in public situations where I was very hypervigilant. So a way that I can accommodate that and make it more familiar is to be more present and to not care so much about what other people are doing, what other people are thinking, and to concentrate more on myself and whether or not I'm enjoying myself. So how can I make the connection more stable? What I found was the only thing I could do to make the connection more stable or myself feel more stable is to just put more effort into myself, my sense of stability and peace and maintaining my own mental health and routines. I found out pretty early on that I can only do so much with him in working through his manic episodes. Part of letting him make his own mistakes is in those moments where I would otherwise concentrate on him and trying to help him, I actually would turn that energy back towards myself and just concentrate on myself and helping myself, which was something I really needed to learn because I had learned to be very codependent because of my past abusive relationships and my abusive upbringing. Being a codependent person, you don't know how to be independent and care about yourself when you are with another person. And so this relationship helped teach me how to maintain my sense of independence, stability, my sense of peace, regardless of what my loved one was going through and how to prioritize my own mental health and the ways I was willing to help this person. That is something that I am making an effort to carry with me in all of my relationships moving forward. So what are ways that I can make the relationship more interesting? I talked about in the previous page that when he was talking about stocks and day trading, I was just not interested in it, right?
I tried to make interactions interesting by finding ways for us to still bond over things that we both can enjoy together outside of day trading so that we're both feeling enjoyment out of being around each other, still being able to go camping, still being able to cook together, still being able to meditate together was things that we could always go back to in order to connect back to each other outside of being so separate in our own lives doing our own different things. I feel like that aspect is what kind of made the relationship last so long outside of all of these other unreconcilable things that we were dealing with is the fact that we did care about each other and we did enjoy a lot of things together. So the purpose of this page is to bring awareness to the power of choice. Sure, we may not be able to make adjustments to every way we interact with someone, but what are the ways we can afford to make those adjustments? This adjustments page is not to say that you can always do something about an issue and it will always work out in your favor. There's times where you will make an adjustment and it still doesn't work out. There's times where there's no adjustment you can really make. Um, and you will still have to struggle with that certain thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing you can do, right? There's always something that you can do. There's always that power of choice that you have. This page is to help you figure out what is in your power, what can you do, and what results can come out of your power of choice and those things that you want to implement within the interactions. Will you discover that you find more comfort? Will you discover that things are working out better? You know, or are you going to discover that even if you try something else and try something different, things are still not working out? Regardless of that, you are moving in that forward direction in understanding yourself and empowering yourself with more knowledge as to what you would want to do from there. Now, this page is kind of to help conclude everything that we just dissected together so that you have something to refer to because we just spent two pages dissecting what makes the interaction uncomfortable and what we want to do to make it more comfortable, right? And so it's kind of inconvenient to have to go back and forth. This page is to kind of help you concisely put those two pages together and have it all be in one page. So for example, what I can write is this. In order to make the interactions more comfortable, when Michael accuses me of not listening, I can feel very frustrated and overwhelmed because I'm trying to understand what he was trying to say more, not the opposite. So in order to make him feel more open to explaining himself again and in a way I can understand, I have to first reassure him that I am listening and trying to understand him more. So I am stating what makes the interaction uncomfortable and then I am stating what I'm going to do in order to make it more comfortable. And so that is something that you're going to do all throughout this page with the predictability, the safety, the familiarity, the stability, making it interesting is stating what makes it a negative experience for you and stating what you're going to do about it. And this last part, which is number seven, that says, if not, then dot, dot, dot. If there's certain aspects of one through six that you cannot have power or control over, then what are you going to do? I expressed to you guys that there were some things in there that I could try to implement accommodations into and changes into, but still nothing really comes out of it. If not, then what can I do? 
I wrote, I can't make him more predictable or stable. So in that case, I just need to give him space to do his thing while I concentrate that energy on myself and making sure I am happy and healthy and supporting him when I can, how I can. So that's kind of stating that I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to make sure I'm okay. And whenever the opportunity comes up and I feel like I'm in a good place to do so, I will be there to support him and be there for him. And that's all I can really do. I'm not going to fill all this out because of time. But as you can see, if you go all throughout this page, by the time you reach the end, you will have a really, really good idea of what new mask you want to have around this person. And it's something that you could feel good about. Of course, this is something that you want to do with all your significant relationships or relationships that you want to process a little bit more. And of course, everyone is ever-changing. So if you have to find yourself refilling this out for the same person a few months from now or a few years from now or just something that you have to continually do throughout your time with them. Don't be afraid to come back to this workbook every now and then to reestablish a new mask with them that can accommodate the relationship better while simultaneously meeting your needs and honoring your authenticity more. But yes, I hope this video has been helpful in going over this workbook with you guys. The link to this workbook will be in the description box down below. Thank you guys for continually supporting me as I continually help support you. And of course, send this video over to someone who may benefit from it. But with that being said, I will see you guys on next week's video. Bye guys.